Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, a conversation about literature and art, about duende and queerness and coping and tea, border blur and misfits and community, secret places, ragged edges. Angel House Press. I'm your host, Amanda Earle. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks. I'm your host, Amanda Earle, and today it is episode 74. It's just after the uh, new year. We're actually in 2021 already, so happy new year. Uh, I'm speaking today with Connor McDonald. Hi, Connor. Hey, Amanda. How are you? Great. Well, I'm as good as can be at this at this time in our lives, but uh, thank you very much for coming on the show and being my first guest in uh, 2021. Welcome. It's a really nice way to start the year. I've been looking forward to it for a while. Happy New Year to you. Thank you. To you too. So I thought I'd start by reading as I as I'm want, as I'm want. I love that expression. As I'm want to do. I don't know where that comes from. It's an interesting one. I, I like to start off by reading the bio. So I'll read your bio. I, I hope that the bio from uh, from your book. So Connor McDonald is a physician and poet. He has published two chapbooks, The Book of Retaliations from Anstruther Press and Safe Spaces from Frog Hollow Press. He received honorable mention for the Fiddlehead's 2018 Ralph Gustafson Poetry Prize and was shortlisted for the Raw Art Review 2019 Charles Bukowski Prize and runner-up in the Valum 2019 Contemporary Poetry Prize. Recovery Community, uh, which came out with Mansfield Press, is his debut collection. And uh, I'm going to post uh, also on our show notes, I'll post uh, the link to your connormcdonald.ca, uh, your, um, your site, and also your, your oh, well, I guess that I'll, I'll post that. And also I'll, I'll post a link to Mansfield Press as well. So we'll make sure. So can you start by telling us about Recovery Community? Anything you'd like to say about it? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose so. It's, um, well, I suppose the first thing I would say would be to those, um, you know, young writers, emerging writers, um, people who have a chapbook and are trying to get a full debut collection out there. Um, this this manuscript, uh, this first collection, when it was accepted by Mansfield in 2019 as a recovery community, it was probably in its third iteration at that point. Um, so. And I know that, um, you know, we were talking back and forth about some of the things you and I might touch on. And I know that one of your questions, and, and it's a very common question, is, um, you know, did this book begin as a group of poems or did it begin as an idea for a book? Um, so, I mean, I think the three evolutionary phases the book went through, at the start, it was a... It was a collection of the poems that I thought best succeeded. Um, and so some of the poems, like, for example, that you mentioned with getting on some shortlists and things. Um, and I sent it out, but, you know, one or two people who I know very well in Toronto, who would be well-known members of the writing community, were like, you know, it's good, but it's uh, it doesn't quite feel like a cohesive book or a coherent book, and that may be some of the feedback you get. And... Sure enough, it kind of was. Um, and it went into it then a second phase where I, I had been holding back a lot with regards to letting medicine or anything to do with clinical work or, or that part of me, that world, 
filter in. And then I kind of completely opened the floodgates and let a lot of that come in. And it, it resulted in a second iteration of that manuscript with a completely different name. I think actually the name of the, the second phase was the, 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 the Diagnostics and Stochastics of Microcosms. So DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. So I know, right? So it was, <laughs> it was already veering towards this idea of the scientific application of frameworks and labeling people. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe those people may not be particularly comfortable or in full agreement with the label that's being applied to them. Um, but to be honest with you, I don't think the poems particularly added much to the manuscript, Amanda. Hmm. Um, and then in, I think it would have been late 2018, 2019, I went through this, I want to say like eight to 10 week fever dream of watching just loads and loads and loads of films, like a real movie buff, but writing about them. Um, and it kind of came up from, weirdly enough, it came up from the, the whole beginning of the whole, the Harvey Weinstein thing and the hashtag me too yeah. uh, that erupted from that. But, but this idea that it took so long for people to really accept that there really, really was a problem. And I had been, as I was watching more and more of these films, Amanda, I was, I was struck by how many films that are iconic and huge and top hundred films of all time and that actually coerce you as an audience member to be comfortable with and almost participate in very, very bad treatment of female characters. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the Hitchcock stuff, um, funnily enough, a lot of Shelley Winters films where she always seemed to be the wife or the girlfriend that it was okay to get rid of. So you could be with right. a younger, beautiful version of her. But, but what struck me was, I was in some way being made complicit as an audience member. And what really struck me then was, is it possible that one of the reasons we find it very difficult to believe these levels of abuses or how can someone get away with this for so long or et cetera, et cetera, is because we're kind of so complicit in what we've watched while we've been growing up and through most of our adult life that we almost don't see the the victims per se as real people we see them as characters in and of themselves and when i started thinking about that and writing about that more and more and i, I wrote one poem in particular early on uh, called we are shine right which was, and i must have watched the shining like six times in like three days Ouch. <laughs> yeah i know and um but i really took on this malevolent character um, that was basically speaking to the Shelley Duvall character, Wendy Torrance, and taunting her. But, but literally, I think the, the, the poem was five or six pages long. Yeah. And then what it actually is, is it's mostly the dialogue or description of the entire film, but in a third-person plural Greek chorus. Right. We, yeah. And so that was a, a releasing poem because I've been slightly holding myself back in terms of I like writing in other voices. I like writing for other people and I like writing for other, for characters. And sometimes just to like take a character that everyone knows, like say the film, The Shining, and just completely twist it and do something different with it. And some poems, a lot of poems came out of that phase, Amanda. But then some poems that I'd either discarded or 
said they just weren't good enough, I went back and started thinking of them in terms of gathering characters together, a disparate set of characters, but somehow recognizable, whether it's from pop culture or whether it's from an archetype or, you know, for example, an addict or something like that. Yeah. And this idea was really started to emerge at that point then where it was like, when you put all the voices together, it's either this psychotic clamor that you can't make any sense from, or it starts to really, really make an argument for a community of abuse of one type or another. Right. Um, not to make it sound too intense. Um, and then the idea of recovery community, because recovery itself, the word, has so many connotations. And there's certainly the idea of being in recovery with regards to rehab. There's also the idea of just recovering from a simple illness. Um, but the one that was really striking me was the idea of re recovery with regards to reclamation. Yeah. And, and so even going back into the past and helping someone reclaim some agency or, or another way of looking at what they went through. So uh, poems that are written about vertigo, but really comes at it from the viewpoint of Hitchcock putting his kind of perversions on screen for everyone yeah. to see. And, you know, we, we kind of get so used to it then that it gets voted the best film of all time ahead of Citizen Kane and just things like that. It was like, it was an idea of not me being the voice for a whole bunch of people, but me allowing myself to be a bunch of different characters that when you put them all together, they, they essentially made a case for being allowed back into the public consciousness, but in a different way. And that's kind of what it became, you know? And, and, and the reason I went through that long, long-winded answer with you, um, and I didn't have to think about it, you know, when you said, oh, well, well why does this book exist and what is it? Um, I think if you are a young writer and an emerging writer, and I think if you are putting a manuscript together and you're submitting it, I think you should be able to answer that question. You know, what, what, what is your book? Um, and so once I got to a very coherent hypothesis, I knew what poems did fit and didn't fit. And even at times I knew there was like, you know, I, there is a poem missing here that I haven't written yet, right. yeah. you know, <laughs> but yeah, yeah but I, th I think there's a gap here that could be filled with something that does A, B, C, D. Um, and I, when I was very sure of what that book should be, then all of a sudden there was a much greater acceptance for it when I was sending it out. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, well, well, it, it, it's kind of nice when it works that way. Uh, you know, I think I would have been very, I would have been quite demoralized for this book to have, or this manuscript to have probably disappeared into oblivion and not been picked up by somebody. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so because it kind of felt at that point then, like we always feel as young and emerging writers, this is the best I can ever do. Uh, but uh, it kind of felt like this is the best I can do with this phase of my writing and with these poems. And if this doesn't be or become a thing, I may just have to put them all in a drawer, walk away and, and <laughs> start another phase of writing altogether and just forget about all of those two or three years of work. This year I... Um... I, I actually, I decided at some point last year that I was going to take, I write long poems and uh, book length poems. So my poems are 70 pages long, 100 pages long, divided into some something. But uh, really, I, I just, 
I mostly, I write the occasional one-off poem, but those feel like abandoned poems to me, the one-offs, but um, our, our poem series. And I have, I realize I have um, eight, eight uh, book length manuscripts, um, some of which have been, let's see, one of them was, has been rejected, I think maybe seven times in its, uh, in its uh, submission career so far, but um, uh, you know, uh, is, anyway, so this year I decided some of them I haven't gone back to and revisited since maybe their first or second rejection, and mm. others I've others I've tinkered with and tinkered with, and every time a rejection comes in, then I just you know I might change it. In one case, there was one where I hired an editor to help me work with the uh, with the manuscript, and that's out now in two different places. So uh, yeah, what I always advise poets is. Um, uh, your work is not you <laughs> when, when and, and to say and not to say uh, when you receive a rejection I've been rejected but to say the work has been rejected so there it is as much as I, mean, uh, yeah. I, I like that line as well you know because when you say like an editor says to you your work is not you yeah. I think I think that's incredibly important but what you just made me think of there as well was yeah. because I took on so many different characters um, yeah and even not so much causes, but I mean, we all have to be incredibly careful these days, not only of what we say, but who we may appear to be speaking for. Um, and I, 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 at times was holding myself back, but you know what, when you said your work is not you, what it made me think as well is I think there was a point where I also said to myself, I imagine myself talking with someone who didn't quite understand what I was trying to do, and, and, and you know, you know, and, and they have, everyone has the right to do that. But then how, how can you have that conversation with that person whereby nobody comes out of it feeling demoralized or upset or, or, or whatever. And I think one of the phrases I would have actually adopted if I had heard what you just said was, please remember my work is not you. you, there know? you go. Well, now, that's I may, have, I may have a poem that's about an addict, but it's not about every addict in the world it's about this specific one that i pictured that's an amalgamation of four or five different things it, and yeah. if i have a poem about uh, uh, the poem from the book another death in the family that is basically three different shelley winters characters three films in a row uh, yeah. a place in the sun night of the hunter and lolita that i watched like within two days and was struck by a single commonality across all of them um, and then went with the imagery that's in the films, and the imagery is stuck in the 50s and stuck in the 60s, but it's basically saying, I don't, I'm not comfortable with this either. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of discomfort when you represent these characters, and the, so yeah, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's clear. I think one of the things that happens for a lot of writers is that, as, and especially with poetry, is people always assume that the voices are are the author's bio, like the you know, autobiographical stuff, and it's not like that stuff isn't in there in some way because we're all people. And, we, and, and that's why I like, um, yeah, that's why I like a lot of techniques that sort of take narrative and sort of mess it up because that sort of shows you that well, um, you're not trying to you know repeat the sort of narrative of a dominant culture. You realize you're just an author rather than the the poet with a capital P, right? So you're yeah. So what you say isn't is it wisdom yeah. from on high, you know? <laughs> well, exactly, and I think as well, yeah. if uh, like if within a single collection you have many different 
poem types, many yeah. different narratives, many different voices, and many different, not so much causes, but, but like ideas. And it's still a coherent book. Yeah. I think I felt a lot safer saying, this is not a single ideology looking at a single person or a single problem. This is like literally if you know those those images like when superman is up and above the earth and he can hear the voice of everyone and he's trying to calm himself so he can pick out one problem and it's that idea it's almost like just opening the window and hearing all of this and then just allowing some of it to filter through you um and the only thing that is kind of would you say unifying about the whole thing is that it's filtered through one writer and one writer's yeah. voice. Um, and I, I don't know, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm so close to the DMS now that it's, it's a wood from the tree scenario, but like someone like you, because I, I know you spent some time with it, very generous with the time you spent with it, whether or not you feel, for example, that this is, uh, you know, if you tore this book into four or five different parts and scattered it, would you pick up the pieces and still say, oh, this is a single writer. This, this all came from the same mind and the same pen yeah. and the same mouth. I, I think so. Well, I, I yeah, because um, well, I, I believe so. Let's let's try it now. No, just kidding. But uh, <laughs> let's go out into the woods. No, but uh, I, I, <laughs> Hansel and Gretel type behavior. No, I, I'm I'm thinking about um, one of the things that it, there is a commonality there for me is is the emotion of the book because it has a very urgent and it just an intensity to the like the work is it has and also the style of the writing too i mean there's certain i i don't know how to describe i never know how to describe uh, and talk properly about poetry this is why i run a podcast that's primarily about poetry but and also write poetry myself I love talking about it i i love listening to you talking about it it's obvious <laughs> you spend time with it and uh, you process it extremely well and then you give it back very well Thanks. Thank you. So I was going to say that there's a kind of a, a way in which you write the kind of images that you write and we'll get into it because we're going to we're going to have you read and we're going to talk about some specific poems. But there is there's there's a real they're very strong and original images. And I don't think that um, I, I, I always wish I, I spent more time than I do on people's work because I would sit down and really analyze the images carefully. I would collect all of them and then just look at the images and figure out what they were. And, you know, it, I, I like I see a lot of accumulatory juxtaposed image, you know, things together that, are, you know, so yeah, so it would be fun to do that. But of course, I don't, I don't do that. I could do a PhD in every on everyone's books, you know, that's how I feel about the work or maybe a life's work sometimes. But uh, yeah, so well, let's, let's, but uh, so there's a lot to say. We'll get to, we'll get to the nitty gritty of the poems in more detail. Uh, I also want to ask you, I really find it fascinating about how covers are chosen for books. So um, mm -hmm. can you talk about the cover for, for recovery community? Uh, of course I can. Um, so this, uh, the cover is, I'm incredibly happy with. It's a piece Oh my God, I've forgotten what the name of the piece is. It might be something like Union, but it's by a Russian digital painter called Alexandrev. So that's A-L-E-X-A-N-D-R-E-E-V. And if you just Alexandrev do, uh, Google him, you get his website, which is beautiful. Uh, I've been following him for years on Instagram. 
And I reached out to him once or twice. Um, we had little chats in the past and I was just reaching out as a little fanboy because I'm a huge fan of comics as well. But he has these just arresting, arresting images uh, that are just like near future or near future dystopia. And it could be like, a, you know, beautiful, bright digital mat. And it's just a little girl standing in the desert and she's holding a dragon on a leash or something, you know, just, just and it's not like heavy metal fantasy Tolkien-esque. It, it's, it's almost like it's the society we live in, but something happened to it that just put it a little askew. And, um, and now there's a new reality there. And so, you know, you know, the technology and things that he brings into them. But he has this series of either black and white or kind of gray shaded. Um, and he actually, about a year ago, when he completely reconfigured his website, he announced on his Instagram that he was making that entire series free. Well, free for download, because obviously he makes his living as, as an artist, and so he sells his work, and he seems to be very successful from what I can see. Um, actually, a, a certain amount of his artwork also reminds me of um, the original drawings that were done in the 70s for movies like Star Wars and Blade Runner and things like that. The Yodorovsky, that, that um, documentary of Yodorovsky's Dune, a lot of the artwork he was showing in that is like reminiscent of some of the stuff Alex does. But this, this stuff on our, on our cover is, is quite different to that, but it's very muted. Um, but I, I noticed that this particular picture was in there. And so what I did was I asked him, you know, I, I know you're making these free available to download, but if I was to use one as a book cover, would you also be okay with that? Because, you know, yeah. it's not just me putting it up on my wall. I'm, I'm using you to, to help me. Um, and he said, no, no, absolutely, you know, make sure to give me credit. Right. And um, so what I did was, and I was working with uh, you know, Jim Johnson as the editor uh, okay. on this book. He's he, obviously with Palimpsest and Anstruther Press, but he was asked um, by Dennis de Klerk from Mansfield to come in and work on this book with me because we had a relationship and uh, yeah. Dennis thought we worked well together. And because of the pandemic, et cetera, and very, very difficult for everyone to get to everything that to do this year. Dennis was obviously giving us a little more autonomy in those kind of decisions. And so what I did was I sent that series to Jim and I said, here would be my top five. Hmm. And himself and his wife, Erica, who works on all of the, the artwork and covers, et cetera, cover art throughout Anstruther and some of his other books, they both picked the same one as me. Wow. And it, well, just the, you know, when you have a title like Recovery Community yeah. and you have a very odd alien like couple embracing, um, <laughs> it just, and, and the muted colors, but yet there's, there's a lot of light in it. It just, it sang to me straight away. And, and as soon as Jim said, I really like this, and was like, okay, here we go. This is the right decision. And then I think they just, they did a, you know, Erica did just a gorgeous, gorgeous job with still using that and making a cover out of it because as soon as they sent me like the front back cover in a PDF, yeah. spread, I was like, that's like an old penguin classic. It, oh, it great. Just, 
Yeah, yeah, I love this. Um, did I get to send you a copy of the cover or? I, well, I just have, um, I have, because we, I'm receiving mostly books by PDF these days. So I have the, if, if I, I think it's, it's the co copy of the cover. Because oh. sometimes people um, send in a, sometimes a book with its PDF has the inside, has a, like an inside cover that's different, slightly different from the outside. Like uh, I know mm -hmm. something Charles does who designs, who's designed all of our, chapbooks and stuff for Angel House Press and different things. He'll often take the cover that's on the outside and reproduce it on the inside, but with say like he might do something like he might fade it or, or do something slightly different to it. So I'm assuming that is the cover of the book. I haven't yeah. been in a bookstore for a long time, so I haven't seen it on the shelves, but. Uh, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's not actually on the shelves yet because okay. obviously pandemic printing, et cetera. Pandemic um, printing. Oh pandemic God. printing. Um, and yeah. I think, uh, so I think that what I heard is that Mansfield are hoping to put the books from latter 2020 and early 2021 out together. Okay. Um, I don't think it'll be a spring launch. I think it'll be much earlier than that. But for now, apart from the people who worked on the book, uh, I think you're the only other person who's actually read it. Wow. Well, well, I feel I feel very honored now. That's good. I can no, I'm spoiler, the alert, spoiler alert. It's a good book. There you go. I, I, I blagged myself onto your uh, onto your podcast without actually having a real product in the real world. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if I care about that. I, I and and I I made it. I joke on uh, Twitter about uh, when you said you. Um, you you were wondering about uh, being on the podcast with your book, and and I heard the title of the book, and I, I looked you up, and and you're you know, and you're in the medical profession, and I I say I have a rule, I never say no to anyone in the medical profession. Like I've actually said this um, a few years ago. I said, well, see, I had a major uh, life threatening health crisis where I almost died in two thousand nine. So um, I'm alive because. Um, when Charles uh, was asked when I was in ICU if if they wanted me if if he wanted me to die in ICU or on the operating table he chose operating table <laughs> so so I'm here because of him and also because of those doc those surgeons and all the all the medical staff at the Auto General so I have this thing where I cannot say no to anyone in the medical profession about anything so even if your book had been a piece of crap which it was not but I would still have you on the show no no I, I don't I don't think that's true but um yeah my joke is um I will sleep with anyone in the medical profession no questions asked after the pandemic so that's it I've, I've said that to a few paramedics on like uh, whisper and stuff like that and mm. so yeah that's there's actually a guy uh, living in my building apparently um, who is an RN and I said to him well after the pandemic, you know, it's you know carte blanche, you know <laughs> so, <laughs> But yeah, sorry, that was a tangent wasn't it? But uh, yeah, so the medical profession it gives, and gives you meaning to the phrase to-do list <laughs> that's it. I have a to-do list. No, I don't but if you know um, if, if someone wants to you know if it's it's I'm, I'm all good with it I I, I wouldn't be here if, if not for uh, all the great work that uh, even even the uh, the uh, the uh, ventilator that I was on w didn't exist uh, ten years before, so before my health crisis. So you know, I mean, I'm I'm not I was supposed to die on November 11th, 2009. So wow, there you go. I'm here. So uh, so yeah. yeah so, so things to do with medical stuff tend to have a uh, real resonance for me, especially. But uh, and well, there is a lot of what you just said have a lot of resonance for me. Yeah. <laughs> when I have my my dark days and wonder why I do this to myself and things like that, it's 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 incredibly important not to be complimented and told how wonderful one is, but it's it's incredibly important to know the downstream effects of you doing your best 
each day as as well as you can. I mean, look at look at everything you do in the community now. Look at the huge amount of productivity and all the art that you bring into the world that Thanks. would not have been the case, you know, if you passed away eleven years ago. That's yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. So yeah, the thanks. It, yeah, it's um, it's something. I, I, in fact, one of those manuscripts that's out there is a, a manuscript called Beast Body Epic, which is about. It has mm -hmm. to do with my health crisis, especially all the weird delusions I had when I was had <laughs> I psychosis. Wow. Anyway, well, that's a whole other. That's a whole other. I should do a whole. I should have a whole episode talking about that. You but should, everyone heard, you should also heard. you should also qualify that because most people will probably hear you say that and think, oh you went psychotic at some point, but no, that's like the ICU delirium, the ICU psychosis, that anyone who's there for a while, pumped full of all of those drugs at death's yeah. door, it becomes a delirious psychotic episode. Yep. Yeah. All of the, all of the, uh, let's see, the, the uh, nurse who uh, gave me my anti-blood uh, blood clot meds was a crack addict in my delusions, you know, so, uh, you know, things like that, you know. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. Oh, oh, I have a lot of stories. I have a lot of stories, but we, we should probably move on to, we, it's supposed to be about you, and not can about I, Can women. I suggest maybe though that you and I might even collaborate on that? You know, places like Andy Verboom and Collusion Books with Long Con Mag, there could be a really, that, that's, those are amazing stories. I'd love to hear them uh, at some stage, but it'd be fascinating to work on them. Oh, well, there you go. There, I mean, there's, they're already out in a lot of places already, but uh, oh, yeah. Uh, well, that's well, fabulous. We'll talk, yeah, some pretty funny stories. Back to your book. <laughs> uh, let's talk now. I, I feel like I'm being very, I was being very methodical when I was, uh, when I was uh, making up these questions. But so epigraphs were the next thing on my list of things to talk about. I, I love, first of all, I love any kind of quote that appears in, 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 in a book because it often will make me go off in search of the writer or, or so I see quote, any kind of quote, um, including others in your work as a kind of, a, and, and other things you do to include others, other art in your work too, but it, it helps to continue the conversation and exploration of creativity. So there's mm. that, but um, I'm interested in the reason for the choice of a, an epigraph, the, the opening. I was I, for a long time I was getting epigraph and epigram mixed up, so I finally oh. think I've got it right. Epigraph is the thing that starts the poem or or, or work, and so I, and the tone that the quote takes and how it applies to the book. And I googled epigraph and I came up with this really fun Tumblr account that uh, provides epigraphs that are used in literature. So it quote, so there's a whole pile and I've, I'll, I'll link to that as well as a Tumblr, but it was, it was pretty good. So in your book, your book opens up with uh, the very first, after your, uh, after your, um, your gorgeous cover, we have uh, the quote, it's how so much of us live so much of our lives from Christopher Ware. Now, I don't know if Christopher Ware is famous, if there's many Christopher Wares, but there's a Christopher Ware who's a basketball player. So I don't know if that's the Christopher Ware. <laughs> I don't know. This Christopher Ware is definitely not a basketball player. There you go. Uh, could be, could be no one, anyone's, you know, necessarily. Christopher Ware is, um, he's a, uh, he's a graphics, uh, he's a comic creator. There you go. Who has an incredibly controlled, ordered, almost, um, typeset architectural look to his work. Uh, he's been used in the New Yorker a huge amount. Okay. Um, he has, he, I mean, he's won some big, big prizes. He's usually on New York Times book lists with his graphic novels. He created a character called Jimmy Corrigan, uh, Jimmy Corrigan, the smartest kid alive. Um, and whenever you open one of his books, he, it looks a little bit like the, um, the Canadian cartoonist Seth, okay. where 
everything looks like the same tiny little block town. Um, but what this guy does, Christopher Ware, is there's a lot of darkness in what looks like, almost looks like the Sunday, the Sunday funnies done by someone with the worst case of OCD, where everything has to be like minutely proportioned and, 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 and the right angle and the right curve and everything. Um, there's no real dialogue in it per se, but you just realize he's telling incredibly, incredibly complex stories but his frames move along at a glacial pace. So it's very kind of like that American Splendor, that Harvey Picard thing, where you think this guy is just recounting what happened to him today while he worked at the post office. But you realize that there was something huge about that day to him. And through the graphics and the storytelling, he always gets you there. Um, and so, and one of the things he's been doing in recent years is the packaging of his books is outstanding. Um, uh, I think the Jimmy Cargan book came in this gorgeous box. And when he opened it, it was just different pages, different sizes folded in different ways. And so you could read the whole book a little bit like Anne Carson. Um, yeah. You could read it in any order you wanted to. Um, and the, where that quote came from, the, I have this huge, my brother also got me this. You, you'd need two people to help you hold it. But it's like a retrospective of his work. And um, in the one of the introduction chapters, he said that line, it's how so much of us live so much of our lives. Mm. And I just thought that goes with the idea of recovery community. I'm, I'm doing my best to be we, not I, throughout yeah. the whole book. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's good. It's so funny how Google works, though. Like, why, oh, yeah. why would they show me who they direct all kinds of stuff to that's related to writing and reading and, and literature and different things? The basketball player as the first thing that comes well, up. I mean, yeah, but you know the way Google works. I mean, I, <laughs> I, 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 often, I often say this in private, but I suppose I'll say it in public. Like, I think I could go, I would have to go on a spree and end up in the papers before you could find me easily in a Google search because the photographer at Kim Kardashian and Kanye West's wedding was Connor McDonald. That's it. <laughs> Young guy in his 20s that they picked from obscurity who has this really weird raw style. And so when you put my name in, if you just put my name in, you're just going to get that guy for like two pages. But if you go Connor yeah. McDonald poetry, it kind yeah. of goes straight to me thereafter. But uh, I can I can hide pretty well in a Google search. Yeah, I'm yeah. not I'm not at all hidden. And but there are many Amanda Earls that I always feel really sorry for. For about a decade, I wrote. And I still do occasionally, but I wrote really filthy erotica, like just, just so when, and when you Googled Amanda Earl, you got explicit text from like the opening of the stories that were like, it was like really, because I like, that's what I like. So fine. Um, can I, can I just ask though? Yeah. Really filthy erotica, not, yeah. just, not just porn? Yeah. Well, that's what people like to say. Um, the difference between erotica and porn, white wine or red, like that's so that's. Uh, that's but I think when you put the words "really filthy" in front of it, it kind of porn. Well, <laughs> I, I used to belong to. You uh, being a pornographer, it's more just like I used for, to say two, I was a for two writers. It's an interesting choice of words. <laughs> yeah, I used to. I used to always in my bios, I would say I was a pornographer, but now because I'm writing less specifically. Um, I'm, I'm writing less specifically to turn the reader on, although I always want to do that, but you know, I don't specifically do that. I agree do that. with that. Yeah. In, uh, so yeah, but, uh, so there was this, there's an American, uh, woman who's a poet, 
um, and she writes other things too, but her name is Amanda Earl, and she, she, she writes these uh, nice kids' poems about horses and animals and stuff. And so you Google my name. Well, not so much now, now because now, it's been a while since that stuff has been, um, you know, uh, since I, I've had it, since it's been published. But um, yeah, and, but the first thing that came up for, for her would be like someone Googling her for, you know, kids' poetry. Well, unless they put up children's poetry, but if they just put up Amanda Earl, like, maybe two first two three links are this you know um you know uh, he's on top and all this sort of stuff you know <laughs> i don't know sort well, of imagine that. if they typed in like looking for something specific amanda earl horse poem and they might okay. get something very none of that yeah there was okay. none of that okay. That's right. not, you can't get stuff like that published anyway so you, you they won't they won't publish I wouldn't know not none of mine i haven't <laughs> written that but uh mine is all strictly human and i don't even have any tentacles in mine oh no no not even that more just like <laughs> hung like a and things like that you know <laughs> you can see we're getting we're getting distracted here as we we knew well, we I, could. <laughs> I kind of had this weird little mental banner that went across going where are you going with this connor <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really We'll roll that back. So epigraphs. Okay. So the next. So so the next one is. Um. There's another quote. You've got. You you're, you've got two epigraphs on the first page. Uh, is I wish I took the blue pill, which uh, is uh, from Anon. Mm. So, I mean, it's a quote from the Matrix. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's from the Matrix, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quote from the Matrix, and it's that yeah. whole thing of, I think when Neo is having dinner with the group that have rescued him and the Joe Pantoliano, the actor, he looks at him and says, bet you're wishing right now you took the blue pill, I think. Yeah. Um, because it's like, I bet you wish you were just plugged back into the machine, having your happy dream rather than seeing the reality we're all in. Um, and I suppose the only extra thing I would say to that, the funny thing is I went to Google, you know, oh, does he say blue pill or red pill? Right. And I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember. Like, oh, I bet you, I bet you wish you took the blank pill. And I was like, is it red or blue? And I actually decided not to look it up because then I was like, I'm willing to leave that not open to interpretation. But if I'm wrong, then it means the complete opposite, and I'm happy with that too. That's it. Well, yeah. that's good. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and I, I, um, I get to see the Matrix quite a lot because. Um, my husband, um, well, he, he had uh, shingles back in 2018, and he still has post-shingles uh, post, um, uh, nerve pain. So, you know, he, in order to go to sleep, he, uh, he watches with headphones uh, movies that he's seen before and, and ones that put him to sleep. So The Matrix, I've seen maybe um oh i don't know hundreds of times at this stage but i get to, i get to focus i don't hear it because he's got the headphones on yeah. and and so i get to focus on things like the color in the in the movie and things like, which is really fascinating to look at the colors that they focus oh on. that i love the bottle green uh, yeah in the, that first film especially yeah uh, there's times i think that the toronto skyline at night some of the buildings they have that sheen and that weird kind of Heineken bottle green to the light that, that yeah. I, I love it. I love it. It is very much evocative of the early uh, computer, you know, a screen it was either that green or it was uh, that amber mm. color, you know, oh. that, when you're, when you're a little yeah. older, you know, that <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So well, I guess the next thing I want us to do is um, I've picked out a couple of your poems and uh, I like to ask you to, uh, 
we'll see how much how much time we want to spend but uh i'd like to ask you to read them and then we can talk about them and then uh and then you have a couple of poems you want to talk about you want to read as well that are sort of extras from the outtakes from the book so to speak so uh, i thought we could do that so the first one that i was thinking of is um where's my little is uh, i guess key vincent so um would you like oh, to uh read would you read that is it do you mind it's a little bit long but it's not bad would you mind would you like to read it sure absolutely okay and i suppose the only thing i'll say before i read it because maybe it helps when someone is listening to it rather than afterwards is while it's a poem about addiction it's written from the point of view of the drug serenading a new user so it's basically Ooh. yes so it's essentially that the drug is trying to almost romance this person and, and make the things that are horrible about it in some way sound romantic. Okay, <clears throat> key Vincent. This house could hold more empty seats, but the people who would sit in them were put away long ago. There is no work here, bring out your dead. No bodies left to pass the piss test, close the factory down. <clears throat> Everything is not what you read, old colic torques to form new cancer a different diagnosis to ponder. Collections of atypical things eventually typify something. Back pain, beatings, boredom, parties. Get help anytime you want to welcome old pain back. Fill your gap year wounds with the tiny holes you poke in everything else. No chemical solution to your God-sized problem, even when whispered with a little G. You're young, you're cute, you got your own teeth. The tank ain't close to half empty yet. Plenty left to hawk from home before you hit the riverbank, set up camp and bed down in the shade of men with beards that crawl and eyes that never move. He'll take you in and keep you dry, spit shine your new cancer, help you slip the lure of fools that every moment is momentous. Let a few months sidle by, shine illusion warm so you can cake inside the lullaby of your greatest highs. Want no more than the one thing he gives for the one thing you have to give to him. Warmth, your grip on the wrong, because you gotta have faith if you're gonna curse God. Blindfold yourself, get a mystery tattoo, let new love put its mark on you. Look down, grass pools red beneath you, blotting missteps and rotten deeds, smoothing urgent rush to breathe. Brace each time you breach a surface, snap back to memories of not waking up to or from your first OD. Dusky lips mumbling, I took nothing. Remember, you are not plucked from a fading orbit. You have the constitution and perseverance of a rash. You are the flightless moth that eats shed skin and the shedder too. You are unstoppable, impenetrable, Kevlar yet prickable like a day old balloon. <clears throat> What do you say when you travel so far that no one you know can hear you? Do you mourn the national breakdown? Rage at federal fugue. You are no longer soft-spoken. Now you are roughly spat. Panhandled from cavitations and rooted to riverbanks. A ghoul that staggers through gaps in family photographs, never having taken that first step back. You ask too much of water. We can only get so clean. No nudge or gentle cheat can reverse our cycle now. We leer into morning, exhausted from vigilance to a script we have long absorbed as canon. So no, you are no more than meat. Tilt your nose to witless starlings, clot like clefts and peck at the threads of your decisions. Blink respite away like moons repel satellites. 
crack the backups fitted to flood you with emptiness that weighs you down to drown on dry land in fluid expressed from deep within your own chest. I'll be your gravity, your creeping beauty, the vine that hugs and dresses you best. I'll be the first thing people see, a recognition blinked away to tears. Let them go blind, where minds go man can follow, and no man owns the sky. So look up, not down where you prick and bleed, sleep and let your cancers breathe. Thanks. Thanks. It's, it's, it's uh, I, again, uh, there are lines there that gave me poem shiver. Like there's really good po- poem mm-hmm. shiver is, is that feeling, uh, I don't know where I get when um, there's just something that is just really so striking and, but yet recognizable somehow. So yeah, yeah, I really, I really like that. I didn't know um, what, what your introduction, I didn't realize that the poem was from the drugs point of view. I mean, I, I have questions like who is, who is the you, you know, who, <laughs> things like that. So uh, now that's, uh, that's a bit clearer. Uh, what uh, uh, so you have a note about um, this poem and uh, 9-11-9-1-1. So you say um, Key Vincent question mark and nine eleven nine one one were inspired by multiple lives touched by opioids addiction and overdose. My four primary sources of spiritual inspiration were The Addicts Next Door by Margaret Talbot uh, from The New Yorker, Dreamland: The True Tale of America's Opiate Epidemic by Sam. Keynones from Bloomsbury, A Town Ruined by Drugs, A Dark States BBC documentary by Louis Theroux, and The Death of My Friend Patrick in a Foreign Country Far from His Loving Wife and Son. So um, that's um, really helpful to have those notes as well. What, uh, what does the title, uh, what inspired the title, the Latin? Um... Um, I think the title occurred to me while I was watching the Louis Theroux documentary. Um, and it was initially a longer title, Key Vincent, and then Medicamina, so who wins drugs. Um, mm. But I pulled out eventually the Medicamina because it was just a little on the nose. Um, <clears throat> and the idea of who wins uh, brought a little bit of ambiguity into it with regards to who's really getting the most out of this. The person who early on gets some relief from their pain with the drugs or the drug that obviously gets to consume the person the more and more they they get caught up in it right Um, and i know as well i've had chats over the years with anique mccaskill who's very much a classicist and she she loves whenever a little bit of latin gets pulled out or or (laughs) i can't pull out any greek but i i did latin up until you know, the end of high school. So I, I can occasionally still throw some Latin around if I have to. That's great. Yeah, we didn't do, we didn't have Latin in, in my high school. We just had, I um, I did uh, French, German and Italian, but we didn't have any Latin. So I, I always felt ripped off that we didn't have <laughs> Latin in, in high school because um, my name means like, uh, my first name means, it has to do with uh, to be loved or love in, in Latin. So I, yeah, I like that. That would make sense. Yeah. 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 So, um, I, mine, I, um, mine apparently means lone wolf. Well, there you go. That's a, that's kind of cool too. Yeah. That's a, that's a badass, uh, totally cool uh <laughs> Latin for a poet, like, you know, some people, I wonder, yeah, that's good. So uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you, well, the second thing, I guess, cause I've already asked you something about, so the, so y- your poems, some of them are in couplets, some of them are in tercets, some of them are in big groups, like, um, like the 9-11, uh, 9, 9-11 poem. Uh, what, uh, what, uh, inspired you to, uh, 
well, first, I have this note about the couplet. This is in a couplet form. I, I found out from Wikipedia that it's, its couplet comes from originally from French, which meant, which meant two pieces of iron riveted together, which I just love that. I never knew that before. So um, very cool. What, what uh, did you did you have a reason? I don't know. I don't know how to answer these questions. I wouldn't know how to answer this question if someone asked me, but I'm going to ask you anyway. <laughs> did you have a reason for this poem choosing a couplet form? Or? Um, well, to answer a slightly different question and then answer that one, the okay. couplet there, the big kind of paragraph of almost stream of consciousness in 911911, yeah. the triplets, etc. it's always a different voice. It's always a different character. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's a way of keeping characters distinct to begin with. That's great. Uh, it's also a way of, in some ways, enforcing something on myself to kind of remember to stay in voice. Um, not in voice, you know what, that's not fair. It's my voice anyway throughout the whole thing, but to, to stay in character to some degree. Um, and in order to do that, I will, not at the very start, the first draft will not be, I will impose this form and I will never stray from it. Right. But as I'm editing and as I'm going through subsequent drafts, I find that I'll find the one line or something. So that, that poem started with the first lines, obviously. Um, but I liked the first lines and they just happened to come out as, as a couplet. And yeah. very early on, I said to myself, well, I'm going to stay in this. And I'll, I'll do lots of things, Amanda, to make myself stay in character. Like I will, for some reason, I was thinking a lot of Martha Wainwright, the singer, when I was yeah. writing this poem for some stupid reason. Like, so the a bloody motherfucking asshole, which I love that song. Oh, yes. I sing that song loud and, and, and uh, those lines loud some days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so there's a song on that album as well called Factory. Yeah. yeah. So the, the second public, like, closed the factory, passing the piss test. Very quickly, I, so I, play, I kept playing Martha Wainwright in my head. Uh, not sorry, my head. I kept playing Martha. <laughs> Good for you for being able to do that. In, her, in the background. And yeah. I kept watching a lot of Louis through documentaries, not necessarily all of them on addiction, but he has the same tone throughout his BBC documentaries. It's empathic and it's concerned for the people that he's, he's kind of working with. Um, but at the same time, it's somewhat detached. And so what I did was I just said to myself, you know, I'm not a documentarian in this poem. I'm the drug and I'm serenading the person. So Martha is helping me with the serenade. But um, I'm also need as Connor to have a little bit of detachment from this. Mm. Um, and so I, it becomes, it, it really did, did become like a jacket I put on. Um, and, but also, you know, it, it's funny that you picked that because if you give me a choice, I might not have read this just because I always end up reading this. But okay. I don't actually mind that because that means there's really something about that poem. You know, um, people will always kind of ask me about it or ask me to read it. And it's not up to me to say, yeah, I'm sick of that one because I'm not. Um, but it does reaffirm to me that was one of the poems. It took me ages to write. But when I wrote that last line, I put the pencil down and I was like, that's done that that works and yeah. you can immediately see that the people respond well like i said to you with the manuscript you know when you got to the point where if you're honest with yourself you're not everything you rise like that's amazing i did I, I i totally killed that today but you're also allowed to be honest in such a way that doesn't sound arrogant and say no you know what when, when i finished that i knew not i knew it was good but i knew that i executed what i wanted to as right. as i possibly can 
And I don't think I'd do a better job on that poem 10 years from now. So it is what it is now. And it's just nice then. It's, I don't think it's a massive coincidence that that's one of the pieces people respond to. We have, um, I always say that poets have their rock star poems. And those are the poems that you, uh, when you, uh, it's like, what, well, it, it, it sounds like, you know, when musicians are basically asked to sing the same song because it's, it's like a crowd face, it's a crowd favorite. So yeah, there's uh, always those kind of poems that you, um, that you have. So that might be one of yours, one of your many rock star poems. But uh, I, you know, one thing that I was, um, especially after the opening poem, the poem that before the, that, you know, that opens the book, the- um, I'm uh, waiting for a terrible sentence to begin. Yeah, first of all, I love that line and it repeats in the, in the book and, and but uh, yeah, that was a great line. But, this I found like when the first time I read it, I didn't um, assume it was uh, from the point of view of a drug. I I saw it as I, I, well because the you I, it felt like it was scolding. It felt like it was scolding at first view, especially lines like um, um, "fill your gap, your wounds with tiny holes you poke in everything else." Like uh, and you're young, you're cute, you got your own teeth. Like it 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 felt like it was uh, uh, like you know it felt like it was from the point of view of you you're doing this to yourself but it, it didn't feel like i didn't realize it was from the drug's point of view so that's really that yeah, changes it, yeah, well, yeah, no. hopefully hopefully it it helps rather than changes because your instincts are still true yeah and and the reader's instincts as far as i'm concerned are are always the best instincts that that reader should have um and it's sometimes when a poem is out there for a little while, then what I'll do is I'll kind of drip feed a little like, oh, you know, actually, when I was writing this, I was thinking this. Because it's been out there long enough that you can kind of go, okay, now people might even have a slightly different, not so much take on it, but they can actually, for the people who've heard me read it three or four times, like they can hear me read it and go, oh, that, that's new. That, that's a new lease of life on it for me. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not a fan of... Um, say I would never say to someone oh no no that's not what that's about no, yeah you let the poem go once it's out there well, it's out well there. usually as well the reader actually is saying something that's maybe far more interesting than what you were thinking so it's totally fine yeah absolutely I, I also found it interesting that there were three references to, three uses of the word cancer in this poem and and the the sort of likening of, of um, I guess this uh, a drug addiction to a cancer I thought was uh, an interesting uh, an interesting uh, way of looking things at things as well. So the three times the cancer in there. So uh. yeah, and I think a word I tend to use a lot as well. I don't know if it crops up in this poem is meat. Yeah, um, I don't don't recall. Yeah, it, but. And and I, I whether it's being a physician or whether it's being some form of nihilist. I don't know what it is, but you know this idea that um, you know we are essentially meat and. Mm -hmm. uh, a silly little virus can come along. Cancer is usually activated by a virus one way or another. Yeah. Um, can just start consuming you. And, and, you know, addiction is consumption. We used to call TB consumption. Cancer consumes you. Yeah. Um, and what do we consume as humans? Most of us who are non-vegetarian, we consume meat. And it's a way to pull myself, but also pull the reader into the reality. And it's something I've been worried about over the, you know, the years because it's like, I often ask myself, is there any, not is there any room in poetry for someone who dives a bit darker and gets a bit, not so much nastier, but I like what you say, urgent and intense, because yeah. I don't know that that's what a lot of people go to poetry looking for. Um, but then at one stage I was just like, well, 
I just, I gotta be me, I gotta do me. And you know, if that means that four people like it instead of 400, uh, I was still gonna write it one way or the other. And so, you know, that's just the way I do things. And that, that's what I have to say, certainly at the moment, um, that could and might change over the years. But I think, I think it's an interesting aspect, aspect to be a, a poet that's maybe a little bit darker, but also to be a physician, because sometimes I feel like I'm coming back from an expedition as a physician and saying to people, you know, this, 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 this shit's not, this, this is not a, a walk. This is incredibly scary. It's uh, incredibly anxious. Um, you see some brutal things. You hear some absolutely brutal stories. Um, and you often have to put a lot of yourself aside in order to deal with what's in front of you. And I sometimes find that the only way that then I can get that part of myself back is that I need to acknowledge how scary, dark, toxic something was. And then I can go back to being the way I was before I was exposed to it. And am I then serially exposing people? Maybe I am, but I also often think that I'm informing people as well, you know, that, you know, anybody who looks at addiction or somebody lying on the street in a, in a pile and just thinks they got there through laziness. Yeah. Doesn't know what they're talking about. And, and, mm-hmm. and so if you can come along and say, you know, there's a whole seduction that, you know, and, and even you saying scolding, I mean, a seduction or a grooming often mm-hmm. takes place as well, where you're not complimenting the person in order to seduce them, but you're recognizing their weaknesses and you're yeah. compo- compounding those weaknesses and making them feel even weaker to, for- to further groom them. So, you know, it's, it's not a particularly pleasant thing for a poem to either be or be about. So, but what I always try to do is then is like, you know, if this, if this stuff is rolling around in the shit, then the language had pretty better soar, <laughs> you know, because I think people will, people will forgive you that, People will forgive you that darkness and that intensity if, you know, every couple of lines are here and there, the language just like makes them jump for a second and they go, holy hell, I, I never would have thought of that that way. And so that's how I have managed to marry it successfully for myself. I'm happy to, I'm happy to, to, to walk in that kind of dark alleyway. And I use the, as best, as best my, my meager skills allow, I try to illuminate it with the language. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's certainly strong language here. I mean, I love. I'm always uh, I'm always a seeker of um, intense poetry. Uh, I just finished reading Natalie uh, Diaz's post-colonial love song, a love poem, which I told. Uh, she's an American American and Mojave poet. I really recommend that book. She's got a, a first book. really really good. Also, Kinesia Lubrin's uh, The Disgraphist and Voodoo Authors. Both of both of those books, like she knocks it out of the park and there's some really strong and dystopian and uh, reality in there. So yeah, I, I, I like very that. much. I really yeah. appreciate and love that about Kinesia that um, at times she's like a science fiction writer as much as anything else. And I, I love what yeah. she's done with that. And she surprises me so regularly. I'm kind I'm, I'm right now I'm working on a manuscript of dystopian, uh, uh, well, no, sorry, utopian speculative poetry. So uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm diving into speculative and, and also also still play, playful sort of uh, non-traditional narrative stuff. So uh, I'm all about searching that out. Like, for instance, I would also recommend um, um, 
Joshua Whitehead's uh, Full Metal and Digiqueer as well for that, he, where he takes on the character of a cyborg. And uh, But again, there's some dark stuff, there's some challenging of the canon, and there's some harsh realities. And, and I think that's great. I think that that's, uh, I don't see why we can't, I don't know. But the irony of, in a way, the irony of using the couplet, right? Because the couplet was this uh, rhyme. Well, I mean, the Canterbury Tales was a couplet. And it's not right. like that. It's not like there isn't a lot of... Uh, of uh, straight on shit in that, uh, <laughs> you know, like that's a, that's a good, that's, that's an old favorite. So yeah, but I, I mean, uh, you know, when you, when you say that, Amanda, I, was, I forgot to say one of the things that's important to me as well, when I buy yeah. a poetry collection, I always like flick through it and <laughs> I look at it and I say, A, do, does, do these look like poems and B, do they all look the same? The horror, that's horrifying. <laughs> I know, like I know, poems? I know, it's terrible, but I'm I did. I'm in real shit with you because some of my stuff does not look like poems, and I'm going to no, call no, it. No, no, that, that's, that's, that's actually, no, no, that's, that's kind of not what I'm saying. I'm like, if, like, when, I'm, when I first start writing, I'm writing loosely on, on paper with pen, and I will not go near a laptop with a draft of a poem until I think the poem's actually written. Because then when I'm on the laptop yeah. with it, that's when I let it actually take on whatever physical form it wants to be. Right. And so that, that's kind of that whole thing when I sometimes, can you look at this? If you held this like 20 feet away from a person, would they think it was a piece of prose or would they think it was a poem? Not that it yeah. matters. Not that it matters, but I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're Viz Poe, uh, you know. <laughs> I'm changing. I'm going to. Use, I'm. I'm starting to use the word now. Vispo with a Z instead, just to be even more weird. Because apparently, Vispo. Vispo with an S has a lot of strange um, political sort of in within that group association. So now I'm going to change it to a Z. And, and, and I'm always trying to be weirder than my last iteration that's my role but yeah and I, you know i run something through angel house press i run nationalpoetrymonth.ca and my favorite thing that when when a reader responds to because we it's 30 days of of different work every every day in april to um mm. kind of challenge the institutional versions of 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 national poetry month and so what my favorite uh, response from any um anyone who looks at or reads the poems on there by people from all over the world usually by the way the the is uh, is that's not poetry is this poetry so yeah i i, I, I like challenging that notion of what what a poem can be but uh, yeah but about the couplets i was going to say like you know I, I don't know why but well i think of shakespeare and i think of edna st vincent Millay. so it feels like a very tidy form for this poem for for a very untidy and messy situation right so i like that i like that tension between so that was another thing i like um i thought too um aside from that i mean i have certain certain lines just uh, as my poem shiver uh, lines i for instance i have um i have um from home before you hit the riverbank set up camp and bed down in the shade of men with beards that crawl and eyes that never move okay that was really right that was so i mean not, not that i would know a lot about the but to me i could feel that when i when i read that also when you use the, the word cake as a verb i was very happy and i, I almost didn't want um you have you, you can cake inside the lullaby of your greatest highs but because the cake on my copy the, uh, my my word document copy the cake inside and then the the page turns so I have so you can cake inside and first of all I like the idea of caking inside because it it it's kind of right isn't it in a way like caking inside is a thing so but cake inside the lullaby of your greatest highs cake is a verb I I, I love that um, I I guess I I 
I don't know, I, I seem to get caught up in people's pronouns all the time. In, in, so you've got the you here. So the you is addressing a person. The drug is addressing the you uh, who is uh, the addict. And, uh, but then there's a he. Want no more. And so you have want no more than one thing he gives for the one thing you have to give to him. And I thought maybe you were talking about God, but I thought maybe not. No, I suppose the only thing I would say there is because I very much had in mind that the person being seduced or groomed was female. Oh, okay. The, the, the drug just doesn't just jump into her hands. There has to be someone who supplies her, someone who turns her onto it. Um, and uh, mm. That was a very specific image from one of the documentaries I'd watched there where they'd been following a 18 or 19 year old woman who had just dabbled, but then had become involved with her dealer who lived in a tent beside the riverbank. And so they followed her down to meet this guy. And it literally was his, his eyes just were, he was dead inside. His beard were, was full of lice. And mm -hmm. um, he just, all the time the camera was on him, he, his eyes never moved from her because he was almost looked like he was hunting her. Okay. And so, you know, there's that idea that um, the he is essentially the, the, the intermediary that essentially is more than happy to actually be the vessel that, that helps her receive the drug, etc. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's funny how you don't, how you, how, how the brain assigns gender and for my from my mind i i thought this was the person being addressed was male actually so that's really fun the way way uh, the brain assigns gender for whatever reason i think the reference to the men with beards put me in a put me in that mode but uh, there's nothing uh, well i think hopefully as well i think that's maybe halfway through the poem or so amanda and i yeah. think at that point there's a bit of fluidity that actually creeps into the poem because even it tends, it starts, you know, the poem starts off as like almost this post-industrial wasteland where no one has work and everyone is sick. And, you know, there's a fluidity in the middle of like where the dabbling really begins and turns into something, but then it kind of opens out and becomes a bit more universal at the end. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that stuff in the middle, I, I particularly chose like things like water and river and that. Mm -hmm. to give it that fluidity and for the idea that the poem itself was transitioning. And so I would, you know, the, the, with, it's interesting that you say that because it's kind of fun to even think that that's the point where some gender starts to become, oh, I wonder who he's really talking to here after all, or, or what yeah. kind of person he's talking to. So I yeah. think that's probably a, not so much a casualty, but a, but a side effect of like introducing the fluidity into the center of the poem. Mm -hmm. I like also um, another another series of lines that I like um, is um, uh, and you do say here so you know you are no more than meat tilt your nose to witness starlings clot like clefts and peck at the threads of your decisions yeah I I love that I have like a star that's such a gorgeous mm. such a gorgeous line and then and then yeah the um, the other thing is um, I'll be your gravity your creeping beauty the vine that hugs and dresses you best. I, and yeah, like that really, uh, like what happens to me sometimes when I have that poem shiver, I, I get the images and I get, yeah. I can see the vines and the, like a, a little animated, you know, uh, graphic. Yeah. The, maybe I'm seeing GIFs now since I, since I'm, uh, since I'm working with GIFs, you know, but uh, I can see the, the, like, anyway, I could see this, I could feel this poem very strongly. And it was really uh, great. 
Um, do you want to, shall we move on to another one now or do you want, do you want to? Okay, let's, let me just get my papers in order here. <laughs> so I guess the next one I have is, uh, uh, I mean, it's sort of, I, it seems like I've chosen all from the first part in some ways, but uh, forget yeah. Galway, forget Galway is the next one. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me find that and I have it in front of me here. Um, so I won't give this the same kind of qualifier, uh, but I, I will say I asked my wife's permission to read this uh, <laughs> because it's about it's about an old girlfriend from college. Okay. Okay. I do believe that this is the first time I've read this aloud uh, to someone other than myself. Uh, forget Galway. I am a brittle flower <clears throat> beaten softly. Something has been feeding on me. These muscles need not be such beef. A tender meat is what is called for. Scarce, scant, protean, I began a querulous quark, careless quark, the question mark of everything I might become. My brain, my spine, my marrow, call them vagus. My meat, my glands, my surplus skin, call them Elvis, Achilles of the strip. If, on occasion, vagus dimmed the lights, my skin might slip away or sleep. While safe at home, my cancer lies dormant, drugged behind my ribs, swept beneath my breast. Outside of me, it's a fraternity cannibal. I allow feed just enough to keep him slow and stupid, precisely where I can see him. When something resolves to feed on me, I resolve to be less food. Within my clipped economy, I bend to such improbable angles, triage to an afterlife is easy to project on me. Do not justify to strangers what I never defended to friends. What began a simple impression eventually grew to take on flesh. I dreamt new songs that composed themselves in front of me. Notes swung from staves assembled to parade at tempos I could count out like the pills arranged around me. I studied the math of my SSRIs, waited an extra week to fill the coming month's prescription. A bare four weeks in February, but enough at the weight I planned to be. I never took the easy way. I wasted away to earn this diagnosis and these meds. Let everybody feed on me, wore tank tops in winter so anyone could see. Took a boyfriend in town as an alibi to never eat at home. One day I'm sure he'll sing of me, struggle not to make this in some way about him instead of me. He'll change my favorite song to regret from 1963. Wonder how Johnny don't point that gun at me could keep a woman from wading into the sea. I suppose he was never fully at ease, but there was always less at stake for him than there ever was for me. I could have said my food was being poisoned. That's why I never ate. And now there's even less of me, scrubbed and tucked into hospital sheets. Morning suns arrive as heated pain behind my eyes. Call them mercury. How it hurts for you to look. How it hurts for me to be seen. Scarce, scant, blind, silent, an untwisted quark finally stretched from an innocent question to an exclamation mark. Beautiful, beautiful. That 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 was such a good, such a strong poem. One thing I noticed when you were reading it is there's so such there's such like it's not not end rhyme necessarily, but there's a lot of rhyme in that poem, a lot of sound, mm -hmm. and it was that's what it's that's different from some of your other work. I found there's more sort of more of a rhythm in that one than. Yeah, I felt uh, while I was reading it there in the middle, especially, there was a lot of ease. So I was yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, 
there's a lot of music in the poem. There's a lot of music right. playing in the background of the poem. That's it. Where do, where does the title? What what uh, was the decision behind the title? Well, Galway's where I grew up, and okay. uh, Galway's where I met this girl. Um, and she would have been a college a college flame. Um, and she she had some serious problems. Yeah. And I I was not born in Galway, so I remember when we started dating. It was like you learned different things about Galway through her. Um, right. But also while she was, would pepper our conversations with terrifying details about her life before she met me. Um, and, you know, I was a young medical student at the time and didn't really realize the severe pathology that was kind of being disclosed to me in some ways. Um, and, you know, we... <laughs> It was quite difficult because at the time when we eventually broke up, um, she was uh, admitted to to the ward in the hospital that I was training in, and and I was oh, actually yeah. I was doing my elective in, in mental health then at the time, so it became um, became a really awful lesson in, in 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 many many ways. But she, you know, she recovered and she did well for many many years. Um, and myself and my then girlfriend, fiance, wife, we came over here. But then we heard that ultimately that, that this girl, even though she'd had a daughter and things like that, that she had tried to take her own life, but then was brought to the intensive care of the hospital I would have worked and trained in. And I had experience of seeing families and friends in there while I was working. And she had not succeeded in dying, but she had succeeded in rendering herself essentially in a vegetative state. And so she kind of held on for a couple of years in a nursing home and then passed away. Um, she was this very beautiful, lively kind of force of nature. And, you know, she, she was blind and she was deaf and, and, and in awful pain. And what bothered me about <laughs> there's a lot of things that bothered me about that story, Amanda. But you know what really bothered me about it in many ways? That um, th this woman lived this painful life, this long life, there's all of these different things happened. And when I went to actually look her up on the Googles, because all of this happened to her in a kind of a pre-Google world, yeah, yeah. she has no presence. She yeah. has no presence. And so that's where the word forget came from. Mm. And this is because it's, it's a wound I'll always carry to one extent. And it's something I'm very careful of around my wife because she knows it was a big part of my life. But she also knows that it doesn't demean or diminish our relationship in any way. And so while I probably spent many years trying to forget the harm and the pain and, 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 and the turmoil and all these other things, I realized that there's not many people left apart from this lady's parents and her daughter to speak for her. And while I don't want to sign her name at the top of something and speak for her, no. I was comfortable telling our story together and within it for example having things like you know oh i'm sure when he sings this song he'll change some of the details so he seems to be better than he actually was at the time i'm I was very happy for myself to be that character within within the story as well i i determined to myself not to tell the story in a way that i felt i should be represented or i should seem better than i am um, right. i just wanted it to be very honest and when i got to the titling, uh, that was just, uh, that, 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 that's just where I ended up. And it's interesting, you know, um, 
when you were asking me initially about the book, the, the early titles of the book were actually lines from each of these first two poems. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because they were, they were two big poems for me. That um, opening uh, line, which is in italics, I am a brittle flower beaten softly. It's a very, uh, yeah. it's a very beautiful uh, and difficult, um, you know, hard to, you know, hear, especially after that. But um, did that come from somewhere else? Or it, why is it like when something is in italics like that, I sometimes wonder if it's from elsewhere or just, um, just looks nice. Yeah, I suppose, again, without getting too much into a, uh, this is the mechanics of how the sausage is made. If you right. notice, the rest of the poem is in um, quotation. Yes. And so that's me basically saying, this is someone else's voice, mm -hmm. but a voice that no one can hear anymore. And so I'm basically going to be the mouthpiece for this voice as best I can. And the line, the opening line in italics is that's really the only line you can say is, is me, where I'm basically- Interesting feel that at times in A, our relationship, and B, the aftermath of the horrible things that happened to this poor woman, that each of us probably could have laid claim to that line at some point. Um, but that was the only line that I felt comfortable allowing both of us to own, and that everything else was, was the pain that she went through. Right, that makes sense as well. And then, and then the other thing that call, uh, called out to me about this poem was, uh, you had mentioned before that you um, use the the uh, image of meat a lot to refer <laughs> to being human and how we're consumed. Yeah. And of course, here the image of meat and eating and is there very much as well. And then, but the other the other image that's there, and I'm not sure. Uh, my impression of after, like, sort of with a distance from. Um, the work after I first read it and before I heard you reread this poem I had this image of the stars that was very strong in my mind and then and the planet so like space and then there's mercury is here but I'm trying to find other instances of why I feel that that that's there so strongly but there is a kind of a well Amanda yeah. the first night that I spent any time with this girl was I'd say like 2 a.m. on a Friday night after the local indie club had finished and we both happened to kind of walk out at the same time, having spoken to each other for a little while. And we, we sat on the beach under the stars and we told each other stories for about two or three hours and then we both went home like nothing happened. We just went in two different directions and probably didn't see each other for another few weeks when we bumped into each other again. But I think, uh, yeah, this, this, is, this is a story a poem about the story of two people who lived in a city together and sat on the beach and told each other stories. And the stories I told her, which aren't really in this poem, were stories that I thought would make me look and sound cool. And the <laughs> stories that she told me were stories that I didn't realize until a long time after, were stories of pain and stories of warning and stories of, you know, fragility like like the, the part in the middle about wading out into the sea and, mm. and the, the new order references i mean she told me that night that she had waded out into the the atlantic ocean a couple of months prior and the only reason she didn't keep going was she had a walkman on her and a particular new order song came on in 1963 which is the b-side to true faith and um and she loved it so much it was her favorite song that she took it as a sign and she turned back and came back in 
And so even, you know, I never liked that song particularly anyway <laughs> before she told me that. But it's, you know, even that part that I allude to in the middle of the poem, he'll probably change the song title to something he likes rather than what I really told him. <laughs> you know? um, and it, it's just, I, I was really castigating myself throughout that poem, Amanda, to be like, if you have entered this particular tiny little project to allow someone to have a little bit of a presence in the 21st century. Um, if someone goes and takes this book out of a library, they might not know what this poem is about, for example, but at least they will be reading something about that woman. I, I basically imposed a very rigid structure on myself, again, triplets that said, yeah. I'm not allowed, I'm not allowed lie. I'm not allowed to make myself look any better than I want. And I'm only, this should be all about her. And if it's about me, it's, it's essentially just saying I was a very young man, probably in love, but totally not realizing that this person needed more help than anything else. And I hadn't a freaking clue. Yeah, that, uh, that makes, anyway, it's, I think it's a good um, homage, you know, or elegy, not elegy, but, you know, kind of that type of... Uh, that type of style out in the poem as well. Because we just talked about music, I think I would like to ask the question that I say, if time. Um, yeah. So, if time. So, yes. Now that you're already an hour and 20 minutes in. Yeah, that's right. We probably should get start to wrap up. But anyway, here, oh, in, in your notes at the back fun. of the book, there you go. In your notes at the back of the book, you say that there's a poem called 33 Rants Per Minute is taken from album titles. Mm. Um, and I love re I re the poem is great. If you were to make a playlist for the book, I'm guessing you could would include s songs from those albums. Um, what else might you include? You can also talk about the role of music in in that poem or in your writing or anything else. Like that, the last poem we just read had a musical reference in it. Yeah, um, I'm not I sure like I would include many of those albums or songs. I'd have to go back and look through them, but. Um, because I was choosing those album titles very specifically. They're, they're albums that are relatively universal, so that yeah. because it messed with the, the like the line, you know, or, or you know, yeah. I think you know, like if I was to give you an example, you know, the ACDC album Back in Black, and yeah. I think I say as if I would come back in anything but black, and so that's what <laughs> I do. I, I change all the titles just a little bit, and in doing so, I realized well, most of these then titles need to be pretty recognizable to most people, otherwise it's it's not going to mean anything and I can't put my own favorite 33 albums because it'll just be meaningless to most people. Um, but uh, I'll be honest with you, if there was a, a, a soundtrack, because like my previous uh, chapbook, Safe Spaces, the, you know, the obvious soundtrack to that for me, I was listening to Nick Cave all the time. But I, I would say to you, the soundtrack for this book is um, the theme music and the incidental music from Twin Peaks. Okay, yeah, people really like that. Yeah, the music in uh, Twin Peaks. Huh? Interesting. And again, that idea of the doomed, the doomed character. Um, mm -hmm. And so I've always been incredibly partial to, to that, like the Laura's theme, uh, the Angela Badalamenti, yeah. um, and the, the Julie Cruz song version of it, uh, haunting, which it is supposed to be, of course. Um, and uh, that music can make me cry easily. And then if you put it with some of the scenes from Twin Peaks and some of the episodes, like, you know, it just slays me every time. So, and, and a lot of the themes of what went on in Twin Peaks are a lot of the themes I'm dealing with here. Um, in actual fact, possibly the poem, my, one of my top three poems, as you say, you know, you got your own rock poems. 
the one that was uh, the runner-up in the Valum con- Contemporary Prize last year, I, Jim said, let's not include that. And I was like, what? And he's like, you know what? He said, it's already an intense book. It's already, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on here and you don't want to kind of really ram it down people's throats. And I was like, I, I trust him so much. I was like, okay. But, and I, and I think that's another line I'd like to say to other writers out there, not that I should be advising people in any way, but if people do listen and say, well, I'm trying to get a book and he has a book, I think sometimes, you know, you obviously need to listen to people and sometimes you need to give up your favorite children. Sometimes well, you, you know, murder to, your darlings, right? And that's the old sometimes person. you need to kill your darlings. You're absolutely right. And so the... I think it was Mark Twain, but... You know. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, but I'm going to attribute it to Jim Johnson there. <laughs> um, but, but so that poem, Participation and Passive Views, because even the title of it mm. essentially says... Okay, we're watching this, but we're being drawn into it and we're being made complicit. And that, that is what permeated most of this collection. Whether it's a, 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 a poem about a film, whether it's a poem about uh, a, a Diane Arbus photographer, whether it's a poem yeah. just about something that happened to me, but it was this idea, I need to make the reader complicit. And mm-hmm. I, one of the ways I made myself complicit was each time I was writing a poem, I tried to create a different world. And so the soundtrack in some ways would be immense. But if you were to say, you know, Twin Peaks, there must have been 50, 60 episodes made of Twin Peaks over the years, but there's one piece of recognizable music, then, you know, it's just like, oh, that's Twin Peaks. And so for me, if you, instead of saying, what would I put in a playlist? If you were to say to me, what song signifies this book? It it certainly is the theme. Yeah. Great. Well, you know, I'll, I'll make sure to have a link up to that uh, in the in the in the show notes as well. I like to uh, talk about music in terms of uh, of um, writing yeah. and what people uh, do. I find I, I find um, songs very distracting. I cannot read if music is on with songs, with lyrics, with singing, yeah. and I can't write. But I write very easily to soundtracks, and I use soundtracks to create my moods. So a lot yeah. of things like the uh, the Johan Johannesson stuff, like the soundtrack to Mandy, the soundtrack to Arrival, things like that that are very either ominous or or the uh, Oliver Arnold's that creates just this very glacial, peaceful atmosphere. Um, I will just put on like the the, the playlist that, that goes for five hours with all of their work and say, yeah. today I'm going to be in the world that that, that this composer creates and and not let's see what happens, but I want this person in particular to be in my brain because this is kind of, I'm looking for a particular type of result. Makes sense. For some reason, I can write a lot of long poems to Nine Inch Nails. I don't know. I've talked about it before on the podcast. Yeah. Most one to four, I wrote Sessions from the Dreamhouse Aria in uh, 48 hours. It was, a I can't remember how long it was, but it was about 50 pages. Um, another po- beast body epic the, the one that's up for grabs now i mm. wrote to uh the down uh the downward spiral and and i think at that point i was i was burning incense drinking i, I don't drink much but i drank a tiny bit of scotch and, and worked on this poem with the, the downward and the sort of the that the the i don't i don't i can have uh people talking in the background whatever it it, mm. it won't affect me if, if i'm focused on the work that i'm doing but yeah i like the idea of, of listening to soundtracks I had, um, when I was writing erotica, I had um, a character um, in a story who liked both opera and sushi. And at the time I loved sushi, but I didn't know very much about opera. 
and I spent way too much money on iTunes buying opera music yeah. for this character, so I could live. You know, so before the days of um, like streaming. Yeah. So uh, yeah, oh. I, fortunately now I can at least uh, uh, do listen to a, a Spotify or something too, so I don't have to become broke. <laughs> you know, like to to. Uh, but yeah, well, I, I like I, I like music. Also, yeah, yeah, and also. Go on, sir. An anonymous Forest uh, um, um, acapella carols and medieval music is another uh, another because mm. it's not in English, so that's and it's got the acapella is quite beautiful. So I've written, um, I think I read, I wrote part of um, um, Saint Ursula's Commonplace Book, a Book of Saints, uh, when I when I was working mm. on. It. I listened to that music. Sometimes the music. Um, inspires the uh, the creation of the work and sometimes it's just background to kind of help with the tone but it, it just depends yeah so. uh, well I very much feel that and I mean yeah. you know the next the next manuscript that I've worked on which is completed just a little while ago yeah. I mean uh, nine inch nails the downward spiral tool um, the writing of JG Ballard all of that has become the 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 DNA of, of, of the follow-up or the book, the next book, because I wanted to feel cold. I wanted to feel dystopian. I wanted to feel yeah. removed because one of the words that, that's used a lot in this is like people do say, you know, for this first book, intense and, and dark and things like that. But they also say passion and emotion. Passion, and, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I, I wanted to follow that on and kind of go, well, what happens to my writing when you take the passion or the emotion out of it. What are you left with? Right. Um, probably not a bloody lot, but <laughs> I decided. <laughs> I decided a bloody to, um, lot. Yes. Yeah, I decided to curate and create an atmosphere within which I could work, and so I, I, I literally felt like, you know, J.G. Ballard's crash the book, not the yeah. film, yeah. and um, and like anything industrial, mechanical, nine-inch nails. You know, some of the kind of instrumental stuff from Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, I, I, I really examined Tool and started listening to Tool for hours on, on end. And um, I was like, yeah, okay. And then, and then I was very, very happy to crawl out of that and finish it. I knew it was finished. I put a period on a page and said, I am done. Let's listen to some Orient, please. <laughs> Great. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, um, I was going to ask you, you mentioned the, the poem that... Um, the Valum, the poem that got yeah. listed. Do you want to read any of your your outtakes from the that didn't make it into the book, or do you? Well, you know what, the Valum poem I think would be a All nice right. read because I think that actually very much illustrates um, a lot of what we've said about the, the this book and this work and the idea of like you know giving voice to something. And I think that this poem really is where that idea of the the complicit audience. Um, came in, but it was also as well. You see the title; it's um, participation and passive passive views. Twin Peaks in under two minutes. <laughs> so I went back and I rewatched Twin Peaks season one, season two, the, the the latest Showtime, which I think in total is something akin to fifty hours. And right. I also watched the 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 film and the the specials and the features and blah 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 because and then I was like okay I'm going to basically take the entire history of Twin Peaks and write it in two minutes um, and so that's what this ended up being um, so it's called participation and past diffuse Twin Peaks in under two minutes <clears throat> when we were unmade we were scrutinized to death 
Maybe we were supposed to be Marilyn, but arrived pre-abused instead. Star-crossed, addicted, and a little bit nympho, we transformed into robins over circular saws overlooking waterfalls. We were washed ashore by current flow and lonely foghorns, and we were there when they rolled the girl over. We were there when the other girl appeared on the railroad tracks, the one who came down from the mountain, holding half a heart locket in one hand and a box of chocolate bunnies in the other. On the TV, nobody knows what she needs. We are an absent mass at the center watching agents chase the perverts. We are what killed the only thing that kept her living. We were unfamiliar agency, duality beyond make-believe, terrible doubles making trouble for everybody concerned. There is a fury that asks old questions of new bodies. Will he come for me when he's done with her? No, you're safe. You're men. Next will be another woman. A blonde in high school using drugs and crying out for help. She prepares great abundances of food but never eats herself. She is half the high school girls and all her family's daughters. We should all be little girls a while, holding hands inside the clocks, but we are the weeds that could have been trees. We are Garmin Bosia, wrapped in plastic, holding fast to agency, inert darkness pressing tiring robins onto, uh, onto spinning blades. Well, no offense to Jim, but I think that should have been in the book. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? Let's get back to music for a second. I, yeah. <laughs> I like Joy Division New Order, one of my probably yeah. top three bands. I love the fact that throughout the 80s, those big, big singles from New Order, Blue Monday, True Faith, Touched by the Hand of God, they're not on any albums. Like, yeah. they're all, like, American reissues now. But, like, they would toss out this single that everybody adored, and a few weeks later, an album would come, single wouldn't be on it. Yeah. You know? So I like, I actually really like that idea of, you know, just because you have the book, there's other stuff to find too. And it gets back to that whole thing of, you know, the many times the first book, the first album contains the best of what you wrote. And, 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 and the, tank is, the tank is a little bit empty maybe after that, who knows. Um, but I like the idea that there's these little gems that sit elsewhere and, um, and that, uh, I don't know, I think that, that they have a different life. And believe me, I'll probably use that at some point in the future, yeah. either in that form or in a, in a, in a, in a different form. Um, uh, in another book, you know, I, I don't see the problem with doing that. One of the things that one was illegal in this country. <laughs> no, and I, I actually tend to recycle, not poems, but I recycle lines. Of course. I, yeah. I, I really like to take lines. I like the idea of if I released five books in the next 15 years, that there would be a few lines that's in each of those books, but each time with a twist, that it's an evolution, that it actually shows there's an evolution, there's a thought progression, there, there, there's an attempt to kind of forge on. And one of the ways to do that is to have something that's a little bit familiar and common, like a thread that runs through all of them. And then you can actually see, oh, okay, that, that's how it's changed this time around. Also, I love the idea of releasing five books in 15 years. Let me know how that's done. <laughs> I'd like to know, but really? uh, that's cool. Um, yeah. Do you have uh, any... that, was just, that was just a random grouping. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have, um, my, Kiki came out, well, as far as poetry, Kiki came out in, uh, in 2014. And, uh, so yeah, I'm waiting. 
oh, wait okay. for the second book to come out, second poetry book. Um, I, so do you have any readings coming up for a recovery community? Uh, any um, Zoom if, or virtual? I, I presume the, uh, the, the when Mansfield has the launch, it'll be one of those, but I, I, I will try and want to do one of my own as well. But until such time, as I know an actual release date, um, it's, uh, I'm, I'm gonna have to put a hold on that. So I suppose one of the things I would say is, you mentioned social media earlier on my Instagram, my Twitter. I'm always like when I have something come up, I'm not shy about telling people. <laughs> yeah, no, that you have you have to do that. And, yeah. and I, I have a thing where I I sort of I had a little uh, one of my little rants on Twitter where I, I said, look, um, I know it's uh, for a writer. It's a little bit hard sometimes to promote your own work. You feel like you're being, you know, self-centered and all this stuff but for from the point of view because i wear other hat i wear the hat also of a publisher from the point of view of the publisher or um it, the work if the, the author doesn't look i know they're quiet people and they're not necessarily going to be able to do that and that's fine there are room for those voices but one of the problems is sometimes readers and i'm a reader saying this too if if you don't see the author's words backing up their work and talking about their work sometimes that it's hard to have faith in that work and want to buy the work so there has to be some kind of and some, you, you use the word yeah. work you know yeah. there's work to be done it, it's yeah. it's difficult to get a poetry book into the hands of enough people that that it ends up having a little bit of a life and you know it's justification for your next book and for people putting faith in you and putting some money behind you and yeah. that whole that whole kind of process and so i while i i would not demean or or, no. or comment negatively on people who find it difficult to get out and do those promotions. Yeah, and maybe there's a different way for them to, to get yeah, that done yeah. without but, it having to be seen but so I much. Don't think the work is, I don't think the yeah. work is finished when the manuscript is accepted. You know, I think, I think in, in some ways there's, that's when there's it starts. a lot more work to be done and that's when it starts and it's a different type of work. And it's not something I would have thought I was good at or wanted to do a few years ago, but I, I realize already Amanda, that you know, if you don't look like or sound like you really believe in it in yourself, like like as you alluded to, yeah. people are that there's enough there's enough out there that people will just reach for the next thing on the shelf or whatever else there is. That's it. Yeah, you sort of, and it's something that it's hard for me too because I sometimes like uh, I start to get self conscious about being too much, you know, out there and stuff. So like it, it's easier for me to justify if I'm if I'm talking about someone else's work than my own by the way. Mm. Oh, yeah, I 100% I, I understand I that. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I, I, that's one of the things as well, like I'm not out there all the time. So when I am, I'm invariably talking about my own work and it's infrequent enough that I think it's one of the reasons I'm so honest about the work and one of the reasons I'm so open about the work that when I do go out and do my thing, um, I'm more than happy to talk about it and give people value for their turn up money and you know it's like there, there's a real person behind the work and yeah you know, that, that 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 person has much else to say not just what's on the page that's right speaking of having much else to say is there anything else you'd like to add before i read the glowing note of praise i will i will read about the book um let me just take a quick look again at your um we didn't do one, but we didn't, we didn't finish, we didn't do the lady poems, but uh, we didn't talk about those. That's okay. I think, um, I think we, there were so many ladies in the other poems that that, yeah. that was pretty good. We uh, had a fulsome, we've had a fulsome, toothsome conversation. So. <laughs> no, you know what? Uh, I think, um, 
I was just trying to make sure because you put such a, an effort and time and work into talking about the uh, the questions and things beforehand that no, I think we actually went through everything that you you yeah. had beforehand. Um, no, that's great. All right. So here here's this. I like to I always like to read a note of praise about uh, the work. And so uh, here's here's what I've got to say about recovery community. Recover community is a ferocious and urgent collection of poems of the harm of addiction on the self and others, helplessness, sickness, injustice, life, youth, love, and the arbitrariness of death. What stays with me above all else after having read these poems is the emotion, anger, frustration, grief, the yawp sounded over the roofs of the world. Recovering community is a timely collection. Oh, wow. <laughs> Can I use that as a blurb in the future, yep. please? Yeah, it's, <gasps> it's up on... It's up on Goodreads now, so you can, it's there oh. already, so um, you can use it. Um, I hope I, I, there's no typos, but I always find typos later on, but anyway. So, uh, yeah, no, that's you really, I, really I, good of you. And, and not just saying, you know, that's generous of you. I, like I said, I think you really nailed this book and you nailed the poems that we're talking about. And, and I think I, I sense you spent time with it. And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for that, especially this year where, or last year where, you know, people said they had nothing but time on their hands, but right. you've, you've talked to so many people, you've read so many books, you have your own work. I mean, this I, it really radiated off our emails, just how much time you had given me. And I'm really grateful for that. And I'm really grateful for the fact that the time you spent with it, you actually really got it. I, I, I love that. Yeah, I'm really happy. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. And, and thank you for writing the book and thank you for being on the show. So thank yeah. you to Connor McDonald for being on the show, to Charles for processing, to Jennifer Peterson for the theme song, and to all of you for listening and sharing the episode. Upcoming guests include Jennifer K. Dick, Razika Revolva, Dominique Parisien, Jennifer Mulligan, and Lisa Richter so far. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Small Machine Talks. The Small Machine Talks.